0: welcome to the wealthy speaker podcast this is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business hey welcome everyone to the wealthy speaker podcast i'm your host jane atkinson Hey, if you haven't popped by our website yet at speakerlauncher.com, there is a free report on there. Actually, sorry, a three-part video series that pops up when you get there that can help you walk through our Ready, Aim, Fire process. It's great for launching your business or also reinventing a speaking business. So I hope you will head on over there and check it out. You'll see it pop up when you go on to speakerlauncher.com. Now, today on the show, we're just doing a deep dive conversation with a road warrior. And we're talking about the things that nobody ever talks about. And I was planning to be on Grant Baldwin's show, and then he was going to be on my podcast, and we decided why not just do it all at once. And so when we start, you'll hear Grant introducing it. Don't get confused. It's still the Wealthy Speakers show. Um, But you'll actually hear me asking him a lot of questions about his business. And we've called this show uh, something about the things that nobody talks about because we just go to some really interesting places. I hope you will enjoy and I'll see you soon, Wealthy Speakers.
1: Hey, what's up, friends? Grant here today, joined by my friend Miss Jane Atkinson, and uh, we've been discussing. Like, all right, I'm, I want to interview her. She wants to chat with me, and so we may just do a little fireside chat here. I need—I don't have a fireplace at the moment here, uh, <laughs> at least in my. <laughs> I office. do.
0: You want me to turn mine on? It's—it's it's actually pretty warm here, but uh, I could turn okay. it on just You're in case. You're up in
1: Toronto. <laughs> Is it still cold there?
0: Uh, we're starting to come around. It's—we're seeing the robins, and we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now. Okay. Thank you. All
1: right. Very long, good. Very good. Long winter. so jane is uh jane you've been in the industry for a long time um one thing i'm curious to just know a little bit more we actually we crossed paths i went through one of your programs several years ago um when i was doing a lot of speaking it was one um you had one for like i don't remember. maybe
0: maybe the nashville chapter or Mm -hmm. something
1: nope it was something else it's been probably i don't know five six years ago something like maybe
0: might have been the first one of the first renditions of like my online course or something like that. Okay. I, I knew that we knew each other. I just couldn't remember exactly how and my Infusionsoft notes don't go back that far. So I yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> so you've, been, you've been in the industry for a long time and you uh, played a lot of different roles. What can you kind of talk us through your journey? Like, how did you first get into sure. the world?
0: Sure. So I fell into it just like all of you didn't know <clears throat> what I was going to do 25 years old. And I, I heard less brown tape. or watched it over and over again, PBS special. And I thought, oh, that's it. I'm going to go work for a motivational speaker. And so wrote Les this great letter, and they sent me back like an order form for his products or something (laughs) like that, which we (laughs) laughed about later on. But um, that was it. You know, just planting the seed uh, was probably just a matter of weeks later. I was kind of coming to the end of a um, – a temp position with 3M Canada, and I ended up getting a gig as a marketing manager for my very first motivational speaker. And so that was the first 15 years of my career was as an agent, someone who was behind the scenes selling the speaker. Mm-hmm. And for about, I I went out to Vancouver, represented Peter Leg. After that, went got recruited down to Dallas to work with Vince Pacenti, and he gave me the luxury of working under the roof of a speaker's bureau as well because his wife owned a bureau. And so that six years under the roof of the bureau also gave me a massive bird's eye view into the industry. And so about years kind of three and four of working with vince people started to ask me you know how did you make vince so successful how did you make peter leg so Mm -hmm. successful and uh i thought to myself you know maybe i might start charging for that at some point in time but i did when i did go on and work for the bureau for two years as well i managed their exclusives division we had Mm -hmm. some uh celebrities and some best-selling authors and people like that and um it 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 was after 9-11, I decided to come back to Canada and I hung out the shingle as a coach. And for 15 years, I've been uh, writing books and coaching speakers and running classes on how to get booked more quickly.
1: I like it. Um, one of the things I'm curious about is I get this question a lot and I'm sure you do as well. And especially since you have a lot more experience on that side of it. Uh, but when people come and say, Grant, how do I find a bureau or how do I find an agent? And I've got my answer. I'm curious what you'd Oh, i love
0: to hear your answer because, um, my answer is that's one of the most difficult finds in the industry. And I actually did a podcast just on how to find an agent. Um, it's, it's, it's a marriage, you know, that relationship between myself and Peter or myself and Vince and Betska, who was my first speaker. It's so, um, it's, it's such a hard thing to find. And I've seen a lot of people try it and not successfully hire. People want to throw money at the problem. And the problem is, is that they can't sell themselves or they don't have the time to sell themselves. Those are kind of two different problems. Um, if you don't have the time, what I recommend people do is farm out all of the other stuff and just keep the sales in your backyard. Like get somebody to do all the research end of things for you and come back to you, with the list of who you might want to reach out to, that type of thing. I think when people lose control of the sales process, sometimes that can be a little bit tricky in this business. What do you, what do you think?
1: I like to shoot people down on this. (laughs) I can, so what I tend to find um, is that people are asking, um, generally there's a point in someone's, I think, speaking career where it makes sense to start looking for an agent or looking for a bureau right where where you get to a point where the demand exceeds the supply and by all means like you should you should focus on the thing that only you can do and have other people that can help with other parts of that i find that for a lot of especially newer speakers it, they immediately start going how do i get in with a bureau or how do i get in with an agent and so the thing that i oftentimes tell them is that if you can't book yourself a uh-huh. bureau or an agent's not going to be interested in booking you. And so I, I, think, I think, and I get it, like whenever I got started as a speaker, you just, you don't know what you don't know. And so I think sometimes outside looking in, you assume that a bureau and an agent has a massive amount of gigs and not enough speakers to fill. Right. If only we had more speakers, <laughs> we could fill it. I And mean, it's just like a complete opposite. That so, is
0: not true. Not, not true. at all.
1: And so a, yeah. a bureau or a speaker who says, even if I can just get on a bureau site. And so helping a speaker to understand getting on a bureau site typically means absolutely nothing. And you it's know, a nice little feather in the cap and it feels good, but it, it rarely, if ever, translates to any business. And you, you are. Know, one of Hundreds, if not thousands of speakers on a bureau site.
0: We do tell the same thing. I I will say, go and launch your business first. Definitely an agent or a bureau is not going to launch you. You need to really be off the ground first. Um, Why don't we do, for the the purpose of my listeners, share with me your journey of how you came to be where you are today?
1: yeah so i um my career actually started as a youth pastor, so I got to do a lot of speaking in that space um was speaking to a lot of students uh really enjoyed it parts of I liked parts of I didn't like um and I met a couple of guys who are full time speakers actually to take a step back in college, I worked for a guy who was a full time speaker and so I got to see a little bit of that back side of helping him with logistics and travel and invoices and contracts and just all of that just goes into that side of it um and so uh, then I was doing some speaking as a youth pastor, really liked it, wanted to do more of it, met a couple of full-time speakers. And I think like a lot of speakers didn't necessarily realize like this is a thing or this it's is a, a, a this thing. This is a
0: business.
1: Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> right?
0: Go figure. Um,
1: and so uh, I started. I started um, understanding and under, like under, learning and understanding kind of how that world worked in terms of just marketing yourself as a speaker, and um, not looking for a bureau, not looking for an agent, and just understanding. Okay, how do I actually go out and find business and not be dependent on on someone else? And so. Um, We did that. I was a full-time speaker for about eight, nine years or so, and still do a a few speaking gigs here and there. What topic
0: uh, did you mostly speak on, Grant?
1: I did a lot, primarily, especially early on, with students. A lot with high school, a lot with college students, Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, recently, I've done more, a lot more, with corporations and entrepreneurs. I did a big pharmaceutical group um, a couple weeks ago. And and
0: what topic?
1: Uh, So with students, there's a lot more motivation. And so uh, a lot of motivation, a lot of helping students think through um, career choices and think through what they wanted to do, um, you know, beyond high school, beyond college. So that's a big thing I did for several years. Um, And then with... um, Uh, With a lot of the corporate audiences I speak to now, um, it's more along the lines of like work-life balance. Um, And so we do a talk called who you are is more important than what you do. Um, And so that's one that we've done a lot of lately. Uh, and so I was probably in a, kind of a similar spot to you almost where I was speaking, uh, my busiest year I did about 70 gigs and part, I, I really, really liked it. The challenge of speaking is it doesn't scale very well. You're one person in one place at one time speaking to one audience and the, you know, the, the 45 or 60 minutes you're on stage is amazing. But the nature of that is I, I have to get on a plane and I have to leave my family. And, um, just a, a couple weeks ago, um, this pharmaceutical group I spoke to, I was supposed to fly in, speak once, fly home, be gone one night and collect a good check and kind of end a transaction. Well, there's a blizzard that hit Colorado Springs at that time. So I ended yes. up being stuck for a couple of days. So I spoke one time for an hour, but I ended up being there for three nights yeah. and it's just, you're just trapped and there's nothing you can do. And it's just a uh, speaker's understand that like that's the glamorous side of the job that mm-hmm. nobody sees you know you're trapped right. in a hotel in a blizzard and there's nothing you can do about it and you can't get home you know yeah. uh, and so I got to that point where it's just like okay I don't necessarily want to be doing more gigs and um, I felt like I was on the upper limit of what I wanted to charge in that in that market and in that space mm-hmm. um, and at the time just had a lot of people who were asking like hey I want to do this I want to be a speaker and some who would say I want to do 70 100 gigs a year and some who would say I have a good thing going, but I'd love to do five or 10. And I just have no idea. How do you find those five or 10? You know, who do you speak right. to? What do you speak about? How much do you charge? Like, how does this world work? Um, and it I is, really it, like It
0: is. The whole world is a bit of a mystery. It is. Know? Uh, most of our friends and family don't really understand it, right? No. Yep. They're really yep. all secretly hoping we'll go get a real <laughs> job someday. Mom,
1: <laughs> no, actually, I, 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 get, I get paid really well to do this. I'm mom. joking. Okay. I'm
0: joking. My husband gets it. He's like, "Okay, you go, you go, girl." Right. Like he, I'm hoping he'll be able to retire before me, and then we can really be mobile. Yep, that, yep. That would be the coolest. But you're so right. You know, you have a, a finite amount of inventory on your calendar. Yeah. And so I see why you might have decided to branch off into this other world because now you can do more from your desk, you can do totally. more at home, you can bring people to you, you can do all kinds of fun things.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the unique things about the speaking industry in general is um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You know, you and I have been around for a long time and we know a lot of speakers who do it vastly different ways and they mm-hmm. both work. So some speakers yeah. who only speak a couple of times a year and maybe they sell some type of online training program or coaching or high-end consulting. And some that do, um, I'm thinking of, a, a Canadian friend, uh, Scott Stratton who only does mm-hmm. keynotes and he, I don't want to coach. I don't want to consult. I don't want to do yeah. workshops. All I want to do is keynotes and they both work like that's fine, you know, so there's not necessarily a one size fits all. Um, I personally like I really like doing like 60 minutes. I'm really good in that setting. Mm-hmm. But doing like a, a three day workshop for for 20 people, that just sounds miserable to me. Oh. But there's people that love that, you know, they don't want to do a big keynote, they would much rather work with a smaller group for a longer period of time. And again, both are acceptable, both work. So it's not necessarily like you, you have to do it a, a certain way, in order for it to to work or make sense or fit within the industry
0: right right well what were some of your early um so you went to work for the speaker on the back end and probably learned a lot from that speaker just as I did from my first speaker betsy K. Burr um, and and back then we were doing tom Wininger's book it uh, tapes book it one okay. and book it book it one and book it two Tapes. And, uh, tapes I know like an audio series where right, right. <laughs> Folded out the thing, it's so frightening. Uh, anyway, um, I really learned the business from her and how it's just such a numbers game. It is. H- how did you? Um, was that kind of a big part of your learning with that first speaker that you went to work for?
1: So the speaker that I worked with, I think one of the biggest takeaways I had from him was was how much of a relationship business this was. Mm. So he had been speaking for I don't know, probably. 15, 20 years or something, and a high percentage of his business was repeat, was referral, was word of mouth. And you know, as you well know, speaking is very much a momentum business and it can be a little bit hard to get, get the wheel going, but once you get the wheel going then you start getting business that is difficult to replicate or duplicate of. Um, someone was a friend of someone who saw you in an audience three years ago, and you can't yeah. reverse engineer that. But yeah. the more you're speaking, the more that starts to happen. You know, And so I found that a lot of his business just came from repeat and, and word of mouth and referral business. So he um, was
0: good. What you're saying yeah, yeah. is he was good. And if for those of you who are listening, if you're not getting – two to three at least from every um, gig and there's going to be the odd gig where there isn't any spinoff to come then you have to look at the presentation you right. have to look at whether or not the presentation is doing the job don't you think?
1: Well the presentation side but then also just making sure it's, th- it's the right audience so mm-hmm. and in terms of who you're speaking to and being aware of that so if part of the goal is okay I would like to be doing you know 50, 60, 70, 100 gigs a year then making sure that you're strategic on the audiences that you're speaking to are there potential decision makers that are in the audience there? Um, are the, the people that you're speaking to, do you want to do more audiences like that? And if it's way yeah. outside, you know, every, every speaker takes some random ones here and there just to kind of fill in the calendar. But if the the majority of, of, of your calendar is filled with people like, I don't really want to speak to them, but they're going to pay well. Like, it's just hard to build a business on that. Yeah. Um, but making sure that you're strategic about who you're speaking to. And also just in terms of how you're speaking, I have found that there's a lot of audiences that just they there's like a disconnect that they think you're just a random you're not even necessarily a speaker. You're just someone who happened to be like locally who was available to come give a little a chat. Yeah. And then they there's a disconnect like, No, no, actually I I do this. Like this is a full time <laughs> career, you know. It's like, oh really? I okay, yeah, I can see how you... So you could come to our company and do this or you could come to our event or organization or whatever and do this. And so helping an audience to connect the dots so that they they get there in their mind of like, oh, I, that'd be amazing if, if he or she could come do this for our audience or our, for mm-hmm. our event or conference or, or group or whatever it may be. Um, so I think that with him, especially early on, that was a big takeaway for me. Now, when I started my own career, it was, it was very much a numbers game uh, because at that point, like I'm brand new. Like I'm, and I think a lot of times like, speakers assume, and I'd be curious on your thoughts on this. Like I'm, um, I'm a white guy from the Midwest. And so it's not like I've, I've never, uh, I'm not a, a, a professional skier. I'm not, I haven't climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, blindfolded in shorts. Like there's nothing that I can point to to say like, I landed a plane in the Hudson. Isn't I'm, that cool? You know, I'm like,
0: special. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I haven't survived cancer. Like I'm just a, it's a pretty normal average life. So I don't have some crazy story that gets my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of it for me in terms of just differentiation was coming down to, um, being really, really, really good on stage and also being really, really good to work with. And My guess is like, you found that to be true that if you're amazing on stage, but you're a pain in the butt to work with and by pain in the butt, I don't necessarily mean like prima donna or a diva, but just like Mm. you're unorganized, you're sloppy, you don't follow up, you, you know, they email you needing a contract sign and it takes you two weeks to get back with them and they got to follow up. Like event organizers don't want to work with speakers like that, you know? So we found that like the easier we could be to work with, then uh, the more more organizers and event planners would want to work with us. You,
0: you know, at, having run my own events, it's really interesting to see how, um, so I teach my clients um, speed, okay? So if somebody emails you a date and wants to know if you're available, boom, you should be back to them uh, 24 hours and let them know, yeah. uh, you know, even if you're on a plane, I'm on a plane, but I'll be right back to you. You know, yeah. that kind of thing when I land. Um, so, it's interesting. What I've noticed is those who are slow to get back to me about the date are going to be slow on everything. Right, right. And so that's what you mean when you say sloppy. You know, they're not really, um, they don't have their systems down and they're not very professional about it. And there's a lot of ways to just take, you know, technology can help us just take a lot of that right out of the equation and really turn the business into systems yeah. and because there's really it's very difficult to grow you cannot even do a hundred gigs a year if you're unorganized yep um, but yeah I would say speed and and being a prima donna to work with also a big no-no going over your time on stage yep. you can blow the audience's doors <laughs> off but if you go ten minutes over and mess yeah. up the rest of their day nobody's going to forget that that's right. what the meeting planner will remember not all of the other glory things and so really be aware of their time and where you fit as a tiny little cog yep. in the big giant wheel that is their meeting hey hey let's talk about because you you speak about work life balance what do you think the magic number is in terms of maximum for having a solid home life as a speaker. You know, you said a hundred, I think a hundred is ridiculous. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, My, well, my busiest year, I did 70. Um, Mm -hmm. and how did that feel? Um, manageable, but it's still, it's still a lot, you know? Um, the other thing I think, um, that speakers have to realize and remember is that, Um, it can be very seasonal and cyclical, meaning that you may have a stretch of several weeks where it's just spring and fall typically are more busy than summer and winter. And so, you know, after Thanksgiving uh, in the US through like the first couple weeks of January, there's just not a lot happening. And Mm so you may have like, uh, a stretch in the fall where you're gone constantly week after week after week after week. And then you may have a stretch of like six weeks where you have nothing um, yeah. and you're you're home. That's another thing I, I tried to remind myself of a lot when I was home was that um, if I was working a traditional nine to five job and I would leave the house, you know, Monday through Friday and go to work um, and do that thing compared to I'm gone 70, 80, 90 nights a year. Um, but when I'm home, I'm home and I can work from home and I'm with my family, which one am I home more on? Which one am I with my family, you know, more or, or even the, some of the different gigs that I'd be going to the opportunity to take my family with me, Mm. you know? So, if I'm speaking in somewhere warm and sunny and there's a beach, they want to tag along. And if I'm in North Dakota in December, I'm on my own, you know. And so um, there's certainly, there's absolutely the, those trade offs there. And so I don't know that there's necessarily like a, a right or wrong answer. I, I I agree that the speakers that I know and they do a hundred gigs. Um, I you know I'm sure we both know speakers who do a hundred plus gigs and. Um, they're either divorced or their family life is a mess. And, like, I, that's just not a trade off I want to make. But no. at the same time, like, there's a speaker friend of mine I'm thinking of, um, married, four kids, and does 100 gigs a year, and is a great husband, and is a great father, and is a great human being, you know? Uh, and they, they make it work, you know? So I don't know that it's necessarily, like, again, a, a one size fits all, but yeah. there's absolutely a trade off that the more you do and the more you're gone, like that, there there's, comes a point where you just, that starts to take a toll on you.
0: Yeah. Well, Jay Leno, I think he does like a ridiculous, like 200 gigs, 200 dates a year. And I'm thinking, you know, he and Mavis are apart more than they are together for sure, because in order to do 200 dates, you're probably gone 300 days a year. You have to factor in getting there and getting back. And so um, I just think that that's crazy.
1: Well, it also kind of depends on like your season of life. So you mentioned like, um, yeah. if you have young kids, um, or yes. if your kids are in like, you know, involved in a lot of activities and you know that I'm going to book an event that happens nine months from now. And there's a chance that there's going to be a recital or a play or a game that's going to fall on that date that is not even booked right now that I can't do anything mm-hmm. about when that time comes, you know, yeah, so that's, that's going to happen. You're going to miss things. Yeah. Um, who versus- was it?
0: I, I don't know if it was Carrie Lawrence who... Who said she went out into her calendar on all of the big p- parts? Tried to get as much information in advance yeah. and just block those dates. And yeah. when you block a date for your family, I think there should be no blinking an eye if it, if it comes. Yeah. But sorry. That's
1: it's not, a it's not. a hard no. Um, my yeah. youngest daughter was uh, was born December twenty first, um, which was great because mm. nobody's looking events December twenty first. <laughs> That's um, perfect. and so it worked it worked out really really well but it, it is like it, it can it can be a trade-off at times but I think you're exactly right that you have to as a speaker uh you and your your spouse or significant other or kids or whatever have to just draw a line in the sand and say these are like the non-negotiables right yeah um these are the things that so like birthdays were a no-brainer for me of just like I'm I'm sorry that's my you know such and such daughter's birthday and I'm I'm not gonna miss it like it just doesn't yeah. work um but we can look at other dates or you know whatever now,
0: maybe if you're in the first year and you're really trying to make the business work or maybe I talk about that it takes about three years to make Mm -hmm. it work when did you hit traction uh you might you might make exceptions in those first three years that you might not make in year 10 we understand that
1: it took me about um it was about 18 months to go from zero gigs to being able to do it full-time now do it full-time at that time meant like replacing like a $30,000 salary. So that's another part of just like as a
0: youth pastor, that was, yeah. So
1: like there are, there are speakers that I, or people who are interested in speaking that say I have a a solid six figure salary and I want to replace it. Like you can, it's just, it's going to take a minute. It's like, that's not a, I quit my job on Friday and Monday I have a full, t- full calendar. Like it just doesn't work like that because there's typically a longer sales cycle. And it just, again, like we were talking about, takes some momentum and takes some time to build that up. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I find that most speakers, it takes them anywhere from two to three years. Again, depending on how much they're trying to replace, how much flexibility they have with a job. We have a speaker that we work with who... Um, actually texted me on Monday at the time of this recording and said, Hey man, I we've been talking about it for a while. And I finally quit my job. Well, he had a job that where he went from, um, uh, he was working a typical 40 hour a week and then cut it down to part-time. And then they liked him so much that they're like, you travel and speak as much as you want. He was doing, nice. he was doing like 45 gigs a year. They were paying him for 10 hours a week. And finally he's just like, this isn't, this is silly to keep doing this job thing yeah. that I feel like they're paying me way more than for what I'm actually delivering. And I just want to do the speaking thing. Um, and so for him, it, it's never like a, uh, again, I'm just leaving on Friday and then Monday it all is going to magically work out for most speakers. It, it is a gradual transition. Over.
0: I really like
1: so part time with my job.
0: That strategy, that slow build strategy and keeping kind of some employment, some sort of side hustle on the yep. go while you're doing it is brilliant. Right. That's a great way to go because when you've got a lot of financial stress involved, the mm-hmm. uh, that year, you, you might be coming at each engagement from a place of desperation, and mm-hmm. that's not the stance. We want the position to be standing tall in your fees, confident, and you know what? If this is a right fit, meaning you have my fee, then I'm excited about moving forward, not I'm going to do anything to make this cake work. What do you think about kind of speakers' positions?
1: Yeah and I was actually I was um I was thinking of something I wanted to run by you too of uh, especially like early on when a speaker's getting started of of when they draw the line of sure most speakers even professional speakers who've been doing it for decades still are very strategic on doing some free gigs from time to time when it makes sense when there's other value that they can receive beyond just I got a check or I didn't get a check but especially when you're making that transition I know that one of the most difficult things for any speaker to do is to say no to an event. Because we just like it. Like speaking's fun. It's really enjoyable. It's a rush. We get to help people. We get to make a difference. We talk about something we're passionate about. Like it checks all of those boxes. But at the same time, we're running a business. And so you can't just say, like if you're just doing everything out of the goodness of your heart, you're going to be broke. And that's that. like, you, you just, you cannot run a business that way. So do you find that I find that a lot of speakers are really, really good on the quote-unquote art side. They're good speakers. They love what they do. They're passionate. They're great people. Mm-hmm. And they just suck on the business side. Like they have a hard time saying no. They tend to take on more than they should. They're not good at, at um, knowing when to say no to an event or when to take on something free because yeah. it makes sense in other ways. What yeah. advice do you give to, to those speakers?
0: Well, I think that you build confidence as you go. And sometimes, I mean, that's what keeps me employed is that I am able to give people the confidence that there will be more business after this business. Right. When the, and, and what I actually find is one of the major problems. So we have a group called the Inner Circle Mastermind. And that mid-level speaker is so busy That they don't get time to really stop and work on their business, which means that they are going to be busy, busy, busy for years to come, not at the higher fees. What we want to do is reduce the number of gigs and raise the fees so that you're um, working less but earning more. And. Uh, it, it really is kind of this, and, and this is a good segue for us to talk about running a business that's fear-based. First of all, it is a business. yep. yep. That is for sure. But my, one of my philosophies, and I believe it was Peter Legg, who is a multimillionaire, told me this, uh, that the de- decisions based in fear are typically wrong. And when you don't take a gig or when you don't want to say no to taking a gig that you really shouldn't be taking, it's often based on fear that there won't be another one. Like all actors are fearful that this will be their last job always, right? And so uh, I think that um, not running your business on fear base and really looking out and taking that time to really strategize where you're going and making sure that you have the confidence to know the value that you're bringing to the table to be able to stand tall in your fees and be able to say no when it's not a good fit or they're not offering you up your full fee. That is the goal. And that is when you're actually running your business
1: like a business. Totally. Absolutely. And, and recognizing um, that Again, go back to like the seasons part or the cyclicalness of it, that there are going to be times where you may go a week. And get three or four bookings that just come out of nowhere, and your outbound stuff or inbound stuff is really clicking, and you're you're just landing gigs left and right. And then you may go a month without talking to anybody, and it's like, Mm -hmm. this is it—that was the the last gig.
0: That's when the fear creeps in, right? And that is the point when we do we have a wealthy speaker uh, meditation. That whenever somebody's going through that, I'm like thirty days of the meditation, ten minutes a day every morning, and you know it really helps you get your I actually believe that, tell me, tell me if this is true for you, that a huge part of any entrepreneurial's, entrepreneur's journey is the mindset piece.
1: A hundred percent. I say that all the time, um, and it reminds. I've shared this little quick story a couple times before, but um, I remember a couple of years ago I was at an entrepreneurs breakfast here in Nashville, and it wasn't necessarily speakers, but just all types of entrepreneurs. And I met a guy there who had been kind of building up a side hustle, and he had just quit his job. This was his first week of going all in on his on his his entrepreneurial endeavor, and I, was, I remember asking him like, "How how do you feel, man?" And I remember him saying like. I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm worried. I'm the whole range of emotions. And yeah. I mean, at this point I've been self-employed for, I think, 13 years. And I remember, I remember telling them, I was like, that doesn't go away. Like there are days mm-hmm. where you're like, all right, business is great. This is fun. And days you're yeah. like, well, that's it. You know, we, yeah. I got to find a new job or find a real job or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. you just
1: feel like it's all imploding. And there are plenty of speakers again, that we both know who are the outside looking in, you think they're at the top of their game. They, mm-hmm. get, they get to charge. They never
0: P&G have a worry, never have a offers. problem.
1: Like Life is good for them. They get standing yeah. ovations left and right, but they still yeah. have the same doubts and fears and insecurities and worries that like, what if the audience doesn't like me? What if I don't get any more gigs? What if the market's collapsing? What if I have to drop my fees? What if I have to start taking on these gigs that I don't want to take on? And like, we still all... Every speaker, every entrepreneur still has those same doubts and fears, and so even though like I'm not speaking as much now, I still have those insecurities and fears. They just look different, right? And I'm sure you do as well. Of like, am I going to get any more coaching clients? Is is yeah, yeah. is this still work? Does this still resonate? You know, um, and so I don't know that that ever fully goes away. It's just a matter of learning to kind of manage it and process it.
0: It really is. And, I, and doing, I've been doing a really deep dive into mindset work lately in order to kind of go to the next level in my own business. And the work is fascinating. And uh, I'm, I'm really loving it because I feel like it's such an integral part of going on to the next level. You know, I used to believe, because I've never been like a speaker like you, i've always been behind the scenes as an agent and 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 kind of i'm I'm looking at like this time in my career as or my business is stepping into the spotlight a little bit more fully mm-hmm. and um and, and doing that means scaling as well, like going to this next level financially. I've always thought, yeah, I don't know because I'm not going to speak and earn the big bucks that way. I don't know if I could ever do that, but I've, I'm, I'm confident in it now and I know everything that I need to do in order to get there. And uh, the mental aspect of it is really, really important. It's yep. absolutely essential there. Hey, so we were talking earlier about that whole fear idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we were at the top of this call, before we started recording, you and I said, hey, you know, let's talk about the idea of not fearing your competitors. Yeah. You, know, you and I may do some of the same work, you know, yeah. and, and the way that I look at it, and honestly, Grant, I did not get here out of the shoot. It took some of the mental work in order to really go, you know what, I'm going to be fearless about this business. And so I'm going to have people on the show who have programs for speakers. Why not? Right? Mm -hmm. I'm serving my audience and that's coming from a place, A, of servant, uh, uh, you know, the servant leadership you want to be, but also of fearlessness. I don't. Yeah. I think that the pie is huge, and we're just out there doing our thing. And if we can share clients, great. Um, I actually looked at your client list, and there's hardly anybody that even crosses over. The pie is just so big.
1: Yeah, I, I find that um, those that are interested in speaking, it's very much like those that. Want to write a book? Like, it's a very high percentage of the world's population. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody wants to be a, a professional, you know, world class speaker, but a lot of people who are like, I have a cool story I'd like to share. And mm-hmm. to them, it may be, I want to speak at a local Rotary Club, or I want to speak at a Sunday school class at church, or I want to speak at something at my company, you know? Right. And that, like, that's what they're looking for, and that checks the box for them. But to your point, yeah, I think like, um, the speaking industry is a very large industry. And there's a lot of us, technically you and I on paper are competitors. And so people may be like, wait, why are they on each other's (laughs) show? But I know, um, I know that there are people that are going to resonate with you that aren't going to resonate with me and vice versa. And there's going to be people that resonate with our competitors that aren't going to resonate with either of us. And that's fine. You know? Um, and I think the other thing is like, we kind of touched on is that, um, the way everybody teaches it or the model that we would teach you know you and I teach more on I guess I guess you could call it like a traditional speaking of I want to get booked as a you know a keynote keynote presenter or a workshop and I want to get paid for that and yet we have friends and colleagues and competitors who teach more on like a, a speak to sell type of model. Mm-hmm. Both work. You know, I, uh, that's not really the core of what we do. I don't know that it's the core of what you do, but no. there's certainly some speakers who do it and that's fine. That totally works. Yeah. Some speak primarily as, as lead generation for consulting or coaching or some other part of their business on the back end, And that also works, you know, so it's not necessarily again, a, a, a one size fits all.
0: I think the point is that speakers shouldn't fear their competitors. Totally. If you speak on leadership and you meet somebody else who speaks on leadership, you should be saying, Oh, show me a little bit about your, you know, your um, particular take on it. And I'll share with you what my version of leadership is all about. And let's see if we might have any synergy. And I have that to me. Somebody asked me earlier today, you know, should I join NSA the national speakers association and, Here in Canada, we have CAPS, which is Mm -hmm. the Canadian version of that. And I said, um, you know, everybody I know, the the community that we've built – and everybody I know has been through that association. So it's been tremendous for me. Mm-hmm. And though, and when you meet other people and start to understand what their business model is and what yours is and how you might be able to help each other, I know a lot of people who are sharing a lot of leads. And yeah. so I really think that you need to look at everybody who is in. And, and sometimes they may get the business because they are better fit and sometimes you mm-hmm. make Business, uh, you're a better fit, and that's just gonna chalk it up to okay. Next time, move on. Right,
1: which which I remember like early on in my career when I would not when I'd lose a booking to a competitor, how frustrated I would get initially, Mm -hmm. and then realize that 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 event would not be booking that speaker for next year's event most likely, and knowing that if I get to if I get to speak at it this year, they're probably not gonna have me back for three or four or five years. And so I wanna stay in connection with them. So I know <laughs> that if I say, I, you're not going to have me back for a couple of years. Let me introduce you to my friend, Jane or Mike exactly. or Stu or John or whoever. And those speakers show up and do a great job. It makes me look good to that client and they yeah. want to come back and work with me in the future. They want to know who else do I recommend? And yeah. so I, I remember like my first full time, full year of speaking, looking back and figuring out, okay, where did, where did the business come from? How do we reverse engineer this? How do we book more of that? And I found that the majority of it came from other speakers. And, uh, and I've heard different speakers say this before, but like speakers get speakers business. And I think it was Michael Port who said that like speakers get speakers gigs. Uh, and so being able to connect with other speakers, knowing that not one speaker can speak 365 days a year. Like it just doesn't That's work right. like that. So. That's right being able to refer business to one another makes a a huge, huge difference.
0: Yeah. And I think when you are a part of a community that way, you're coming in off the island. You know, sometimes you're out there trying to do this business and it's a lonely business. You know, you're, you're doing everything by yourself from the moment you get in the car and go to the airport. That's all lonely. Then you go and you get your an hour of glory on the stage and then you're alone again. And, you know, I I didn't realize for a speaker how lonely it could really be to have that life of travel and everything. And, um, and so you definitely need to come in off the Island and be a part of a group or the national association or whatever it might be in order to commune with others who understand your plight.
1: (laughs) Because whenever oh, you are, whenever you are uh, trapped in an airport or a hotel, there's you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from other people who are going. That's right. What, what, what do you, you want me to feel bad that you're stuck this having is, room service the whole time? Or?
0: Yeah, this is the gig, dude. You know, uh, check in with your wife who's got the three kids running around, and there's you know the dog just threw up on the floor. <laughs>
1: She's not going to give you any sympathy at all.
0: You know, that's a big, that's the big equalizer, right? You go, you have your moment of glory and the standing ovation and everything. And then you hop in the car and you go home and it's like, here, change this kid's diaper. I got to go. Welcome
1: back to real life.
0: Welcome back to reality. That's the great stabilizer, right?
1: Let me ask you this. What do you think is the difference between speakers that make it and speakers that don't?
0: You know, that is such a question. So one of the things that I might attribute it to is focus. Mm -hmm. And we can even go drill down deeper on that and talk about picking a lane. Yeah, I think that when you become known for one thing, it's very, very helpful to your cause. Maybe it's not essential, but it's very, very helpful to your cause. Let me get an example. Um, I saw Mel Robbins speak uh, at the Washington Convention maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something like that, and she was a good speaker, mm-hmm. but not nothing that she said was especially memorable. But then she came up with her idea about um, the five-second rule, yep. the idea behind if you wanted to do something Head five, four, three, one, and then go do it. And it was all about getting off the mark, taking action, uh, getting over your fears, just going and doing something. And because she formulated that idea, everything changed for her. And had she been talking about the five second rule when I would have seen her speak the first time, I would have remembered that yeah. 100%. It's a sticky idea, it's a good idea. And now She's building a massive platform on that, has gone on to do some really amazing things with Audible and now has her own TV show all because of that one idea. I'm not saying you have to have an idea that's that brilliant because they come along once in a while, but I will say that becoming known for one thing is really, really helpful.
1: So it seems like she, like in that particular case, she found something that worked, that resonated with audiences, um, and really doubling down on that, and it mm-hmm. and it's it's difficult because some of that's just kind of like um, live in the field. Feedback because, like, when you're working on a talk or an idea, one of the things I I tell our speakers is like, it's an educated guess until you get in front of an audience. I think this is funny. I think this will resonate. I think this makes sense, but I don't really know. And then you get up and you're in front of an audience, you're like, that worked or that did not work like I thought. It could work, but I need to tweak a couple things here uh, in order for it to, to resonate. And so, but once you're presenting something and you're like, wow, every time I speak, like, this one thing I talk about really connects with an audience and it really resonates. And so just being self-aware on that and seeing what resonates and what, what uh, event planners are looking for, what's resonating and clicking with an audience and then leaning into that and doubling down on that and paying attention to that. Um, makes a big difference. And even just a focus in general of like, of not trying to, you know, the, the old joke of who do you speak to? Well, who do you want me to speak to? Or what do you yeah, want me to, speak, yeah, to speak, yeah, about? I yeah. speak to? I speak to humans. Like you yeah. just can't do that. You know, the best speakers that you've worked with, like I'd speak on a very specific topic to a very specific audience. And that's what I do.
0: Yeah. It's hard to boil the ocean. My friend Jen says, um, do you listen to Frank Kern's podcast?
1: I have a couple times. Yeah.
0: Okay. So he talks about now he talked about it from a marketing perspective that if you have something that's working, triple down on that. Yeah, and so it's kind of it kind of applies to speaking as mm-hmm. well. If you've had three or four audiences in a row that really dig this, why aren't you developing something new? Right. Like tr- right. triple down on that. But the same thing applies if you have tried some sort of marketing campaign that's very effective. And triple down on that rather than trying to fix the campaign that didn't work. That's kind of like when you th- study the brain, the brain wants to go and fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could be that men, male brains want to fix it more than female brains do. <laughs> I don't know exactly if that's <laughs> the case, but um, it, rather than trying to fix it, just look at what is working, mm-hmm. focus on that and keep doing that rinse and repeat.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And that's an exercise I walk students through sometimes of just asking them, especially students who they've done some speaking. Um, it's not like they're starting completely from ground zero. They're just having a hard time getting traction, but just asking them and thinking through for any speaker of, the past you know couple of years, what is the one event that stood out to you that like I love yeah. that event? The client yeah. was great to work with, the audience was great, the talk resonated, I got paid well, like it just checked all of the boxes because yeah. I promise you like that's not an isolation isolated event. There are more like that, so how yeah. do we find more like that, and what's the common thread there?
0: triple down on that idea. So if it was a group of realtors, okay, yep. well, realtors are your people. So let's yep. go find the associations that house all these people and then start doing them state by state by state. And yeah, I think that uh, that's the, we're coming from the same place. Um, why don't we talk about a little bit about what it is that you do. You kind of have a school for speakers. Talk a little bit about that and I can share what I've got going on. And um, I think we've covered a lot of good ground here.
1: This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. I'm glad. So what we were planning on doing beforehand (laughs) was uh, I was going to interview you for our podcast. You're going to interview me for your podcast. And then we were kicking around like, what if we just do one do and just, uh, kill two birds with one stone. So this worked out really well. We may have to uh, do a part two of this at some point. So yeah, so we, uh, the, the site that we run is called the speaker lab, um, where we teach speakers how to find a book speaking gigs. And so, um, We have a couple different training programs and a couple different opportunities there. Our our core product is called Booked and Paid to Speak, um, which walks through our system on how do you find and book speaking gigs. Uh, And so if people want to learn more about that, uh, they can check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Freespeakerworkshop.com is the best place to go just to kind of get some information on that. But um, the podcast, your podcast, our podcast, there are plenty of good good episodes between both of us that people can can soak up as well. And
0: share the name of your podcast. I know your listeners are listening to it now, but let's make sure they get it.
1: Yeah, just the same name. the The Speaker Lab podcast. The Speaker, the Lab, Speaker
0: podcast. Lab podcast. Yep. Okay. And my um, my podcast is called the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, and we do uh, programs. We have three buckets of speakers here: emerging speakers, um, where we have uh, courses for them to help them get started. It called it's called uh, Accelerate, and then we also have um, for intermediate speakers. We have an inner circle mastermind program for people who want to scale. Mm-hmm. And then we do a lot of I do a lot of private coaching with people who have been around a while and are looking to reinvent or reignite their careers. Um, and the book, the place to start with me is The Wealthy Speaker 2.0. That is the book that we have on uh, the topic of getting paid to speak.
1: Which I've got the book somewhere. (laughs) I'm looking at, I see it over there. I don't know if I can reach it. I'm going to try to reach it here. Uh, people can't see this. You and I are on video, but no one else can see this, but here I look, I've got it.
0: You got the up-to-date version. I I thought maybe you'd have the older version. This is the revised
1: Um, and updated edition.
0: I'm getting ready to write book number five, which is going to be um, something like, so you want to get paid to speak. So it's like the prequel to the Wealthy Speaker 2.0 for people who are just toying with the idea. Cool. And uh, they don't even know where to start to try to start to figure it out. So that's what I've been thinking about. I'm not hundred percent on that yet. But, uh, and as I'm writing that book, what's really funny this time around, I'll be thinking about a course that goes along with it because that's what we do, right? We take our content and then we turn it into lots of other things. So we've got lots of courses, mini courses and things like that coming down the pike over here at speakerlauncher.com.
1: Awesome. Jane, (laughs) this was so much fun. So fun. (laughs) <laughs> All right so make sure everyone check out the speaker lab check out the wealthy speaker speaker launcher or the wealthy speaker
0: speakerlauncher.com is the okay. best place to start thank speaker you
1: speakerlauncher.com and the speakerlab.com check them both out there's plenty of great resources to uh, to go around
0: And thank you for your time on our show today. And uh, for those of you who are listening over at iTunes, please make sure you subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. We would most appreciate that so more and more people can learn about the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.
1: Absolutely. Yep. This was fun. Thanks, Jane.
0: All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free wealthy speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.